Hey guys, it's Lindsay with NBC Media. Thanks for listening to our podcast and be sure to look at our website for events that you can get involved in. See you next Sunday. I've really been looking to this day with some good anticipation, great anticipation really. And um, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to 1 Corinthians 12. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 13. Very familiar passage, a set of passages based on or describing spiritual gifts. Now the interesting thing is nowhere in the Bible does it say spiritual gifts per se. But it does say gifts given by the Holy Spirit. So we have the good Baptists as we are. Uh, we've just uh, taken on that terminology of spiritual gifts. Now, I am not uh, going to read all of that because we're going to be looking at some of it uh, piece by piece, but I do want to read the first five verses. So look in your Bibles, if you would, please. I don't even think I have it on the board, so, uh, uh, so this means you're going to have to look at your Bible. This makes me nervous. These will fall off. Yeah. So... Uh, and it'll ha- always happen right in the middle of the sermon because that's the way the devil wants it. So anyway, let's look at uh, verses 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 5. Follow along in your scriptures. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Now I'm reading out of the ESV. I just said it doesn't say spiritual gifts, but in ESV it does. But now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led... Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And if you would, go ahead and look down to page, uh, on page, the verse number, um, number 11, verse number 11 And it says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for this opportunity to preach this word that you've laid upon my heart. Lord, as we come into a time where we are going to assess our gifts and talk about them tonight, Lord. May we completely understand that each and every person, Christian, that is in this room today uh, possesses at least one spiritual gift that they can use to edify the body, to make the body work, and to glorify you. Lord, bless the reading of your word. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Just a little background info on Corinth. I, I, I found this interesting, and, and uh, so anyway, I just wanted to, to kind of give a little background. Corinth was a very active place. It was a major city in the Roman Empire that had two major ports. Now, if you look at a map, and I, you know, if you've got one in the back of your Bible, you'll see that Corinth is strategically placed on a land bridge and has seas on both sides of it. It's one of the few places that does this. And so it was a strategic place for the Roman Empire that brought in a lot of money. Unfortunately, it was also known for its paganism. Uh, 
The thing about it, though, is as Christians, we read about Corinth, and we find, and one of the things that we know about it is that it was one of the places that Paul established a great church. The Corinth church had great potential. It was planted in one of the most successful and sinful places in the entire Roman Empire. And I think I used this once before, but I, uh, in a sermon, I, I couldn't find it, though. So I'm going to say it again. Uh, it, it, matter of fact, um, in, uh, the Corinthian society was so renowned for its debauchery or debauched, oh, debauched behavior that this name was used as a kind of a slanderous word. The accusation synonymous with sin when someone behaved in a sinful manner, they were said to have been Corinthianized. Or someone would give another the advice, don't be a Corinthian as it means of encouraging to do right. Now we know that uh, Corinth is an ancient city, but it's still there today. I was looking up some facts. This week they uh, uh, added someone to some council there. So it's still around. It's been around for a long, long time. But it's not near the city that it used to be. Of course, we, you know, if you look back at your Bible history, you know the Romans uh, uh, are, uh, attacked it and, and obliterated it. It's been rebuilt. And so a lot of what you see uh, in your Bible atlas pictures, if you look, are ruins that were left. So, uh, so it's faced very hard times. And, but it is still around today. God's plan for the city, for the church that Paul planted in Corinth was to be a lighthouse, a beacon to a multitude of people who are living in, sinful, in a sinful nature. And God equipped certain people to accomplish that plan of being a deacon, of uh, being a beacon. Sorry about that. Uh, it was one of the most gifted churches that we read of in the New Testament, and it was truly unequaled in its potential. And see, folks, God always equips the church people to get the job done, as he did in Corinth, as he has done in Memorial Baptist Church, as he has done in every church that I have been a part of. God equips people to get the task done. But in the case of Corinth and in the case of many churches around today, with all that potential, with all the promise, they, Corinth, other churches in our area, we fail miserably at the task that God has called us to do. I make a little side point here that Satan cannot take away your spiritual gifts, but he can fool you into not using them appropriately. He will lie to you and lead you to believe that you do not have any or dismiss the ones that you do have. This is exactly what was happening in Corinth. Some were completely ignorant that they had gifts. Others did not know how to use them. They still had the gifts, but because they were caught up with pride, ambition, selfishness, 
their spiritual gifts were being neglected and misused. But again, let's not be too harsh on the church at Corinth. The truth is, is that the same thing happens here. It happens even in our own church. It happens in many churches around us. There are many local churches that God has strategically placed in specific areas to be salt and light to a dying community, but then they fail. See, folks, we hear a lot. You know, Bill and I go to these leadership teams with our association, and we hear a lot about the new plants, the new plants, the new churches that are coming up. We don't often hear, though, about the ones that failed. We don't like to admit that. See, even though a new church plant only may have just a few people, even in that small assembly, God has placed in that assembly the, piece, the pieces to make it start. But then what we want to do is we want to go out and get more people. God has them already planned. And to put them into that assembly and for them to realize their spiritual gifts so they can make things work better. Now the churches that do that, they're thriving. I think of the uh, new church plant that we had in Princeton. Now, we've had other church plants in Princeton that didn't go so well, but we have one right now that's working really well. You saw some, some of us saw them at the uh, uh, Vacation Bible School Clinic that we just had. It was a very small group that put people in places and got things going, and that church is growing. I think of the bridge out on the north side. That started off as a very small, very small group. But they got things together. They had people and recognized their spiritual gifts and wanted to utilize them. And that church is growing, growing greatly. And there are good success stories across our state of people doing just that. Unfortunately, there are people that just will not exercise their gifts. And those churches have gone under, going under, or they're just on life support right now. It's because they don't utilize their spiritual gifts. It's not You can blame it on a lot of things, but the, the real issue is that the people aren't using their spiritual gifts. Now, I think by and large, many of us are utilizing our spiritual gifts, but can you imagine if everyone that is sitting in this auditorium today really got in there and utilized their spiritual gift for the edifying of the body, this church, what this church could do? Hmm. I didn't hear any amens on that what this church could do. So this morning I want to highlight some of the things that Paul told that church in, in Corinth. And I hope, that the, I hope that we understand that these are still the same for us today. There's, a, there's only three points to this whole sermon. <laughs> really, there is. I know you can't believe it. And it, I'll tell you what, it's not going to go very long. Because I really want you to take the time to grab one of those surveys, if you didn't get one on your device, and be prepared 
to let's assess those things tonight and see what it is that you're gifted. Now, can you fool those surveys? Absolutely. Absolutely you can. But what I want you to do is to be honest with yourself and rate yourself how you really feel you do in those 50 some odd area, 50 areas of service. And then when you're done, you put those on a, onto an assessment page. Real easy to do. You add up your scores, and then you put them down, and we, we look at those together. You don't have to tell me what it is. You, you know what it is, but we're going to go through those things, and then that gives us an idea, you know, if you do tell us, then it gives us an idea of what maybe we could ask you to be a part of. Or maybe you can look and say, hey, I'm gifted in, in administration or I'm gifted in teaching or exhortation or, oh, there's, you know, I, there's currently anywhere from 15 to 30 different gifts now. Uh, some have added some through these, uh, through these passages that we'll read. I go at about 19 is what I'm counting. But the fact is, maybe you'll realize that you're gifted in something you never even knew that you were gifted in. And then they'll say, well, if God gifted me, maybe I ought to be utilizing it. So the three points uh, today, uh, mostly verse 4, would be the diversity of gifts. The second part will be um, there is unity in the body. And then also uh, then we'll be looking at the third part of this where there is maturity in the believer. Maturity in the believer. Now let's look at the first part of this thing, which... There is diversity of gifts. And I find, and most people will know this, but there are three main passages of Scripture that talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And these come from 1 Corinthians 12, and, and uh, chapters 12 and 13, uh, Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. So now let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 10. So you should have your Bibles already open from what we had earlier. So now let's look at verses 5 through 10. And what I did in mine, uh, you can't see my Bible, but what I did on my tablet is I highlighted all the different gifts that I saw in this thing. So as we, do, as we read through this, look at those. and Maybe you have a pen or something. You can underline these things and see what you come up with here. And there are varieties of service but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That tells us, I'm going to stop there just for a second, that each and every one of you has at least one gift to edify the body. Okay, right there. You can underline that. That's not necessarily one of them, but it could be. But I didn't highlight that one because that goes to everybody. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. 
Now we'll turn your Bible, if you would, please, to Romans 12. Romans 12, 6 through 8. Romans 12, 6 through 8. And it says, having gifts, I'm sorry, I still hear pages rumbling, so we want to give you just a few more seconds to get to there. Romans 12, 6 through 8. You know, I know I have them up on the board, but do you know how it makes my heart flutter to hear those pages go back and forth? It really does. Romans 12, 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, we've already said that one, in proportion to our own faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in the generosity or in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, Turn back a few more pages, if you would, to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11. Now, this is commonly referred to as the gift given to the church itself. And it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. As you go through and compare these passages, you will identify around 19, if you, if you uh, go along with Ephesians 4.11, about 19 spiritual gifts that God has given to his people. There are distinct and diverse gifts, but each of them has the same purpose. The ultimate purpose of spiritual gifts is to bring glory to God. Where do I get that? Turn back in your Bibles again to 1 Corinthians 10, 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now by looking at me, I must bring a lot of glory to God when I eat, right? I don't think that's what it's talking about. But I do believe that whenever you are together with anyone or even by yourself, that whatever you are doing, we should bring glory to God at that time. So you know what? When you're sitting there doing your widgets at your job, whatever that might be, do we have an attitude of thankfulness to God for giving us that job that we don't like so much? <coughs> Do we talk to the person? Maybe you got somebody next to you. Maybe you want to exercise. Maybe you have the gift of exhortation and maybe you might want to talk to that person next to you and say, hey, you know what God did for me this week? See, folks, you don't have to go right into a witnessing type of uh, thing. You can go just say, hey, you know what God did in my life this week? That always starts a conversation. Always. Maybe not one you want to finish, but it starts a conversation. The specific purpose of the gifts that we possess 
again is found in Ephesians. We want to glorify God. And that's the main reason. But the specific purpose is found in Ephesians 4.12. And it says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. At the moment of salvation, the Lord put in you everything you will need to live for Him and to effectively serve Him. Think of it as your spiritual DNA. Turn your Bibles now to 2 Peter, verse, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. God has given everything that pertains to life and godliness. I don't know about you, but that really kind of excites me. He's given everything that I need, equipped me with everything that I need, not only to handle life situations adequately, but to handle godly situations adequately. He's given us all we need. We don't have to. Oh, well, I'll get into some more of that in a minute. So we looked at that there is a diversity of gifts. Now let's go on to the second point here, that there is a unity of the body. Now, I'm... Lindsay has, I gave Lindsay and broke out each one of these verses. So we're back to 1 Corinthians 12 here. But I'm going to group them together. We're going to be looking specifically now at verses 4 through 6. And it says, Now there were varieties of gifts with the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service with the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all. Now skip down to verses 8 and 9. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to the other, another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Now go, uh, go down to verses 12 and 13. You know, you don't have to take the baby out of here. He just, uh, she's just saying amen. I love little babies. When they get older, that's when they bother me. <laughs> like 21 and through 30. <laughs> I'm sorry, kids, I had to say that. And the last one was uh, 1 Corinthians. I walked away from my Bible here. Can't do that. Uh, verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The local church 
It's like a, I've said this before, but it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And like a jigsaw puzzle, we are one body made up of a whole bunch of different members. Each member has its own piece and its own special place that can only be filled by that person. Did you get that? Each body is made up of several different pieces and each piece has its own special place that can only be filled by them. So if you're not fulfilling your spiritual gift in this body of believers... We're missing out. We're walking with a limp. We're trying to write with the wrong hand. We need everyone fulfilling their destiny as a Christian with a spiritual gift to make this body work correctly. Churches wonder why the church isn't doing so well. It's because they got a bunch of people that's not fulfilling their spiritual gifts and they're lacking. Even large churches, what they do, you know, it's funny, the large churches, you think, well, they've got so many people that I don't have to do anything. I could sit around. No, God didn't place you in that congregation to do nothing. God placed you there to exercise their spiritual gift. Are you exercising your spiritual gift today? What happens when God's people recognizes their spiritual gifts and put them to good use? Well, firstly, I think that the Christian themselves is satisfied. They realize their purpose. Another thing that I find is that others are edified. How do I mean that? Because they're free then to put their efforts in using the gift that God gave them or the gifts that God gave them rather than doing something they, probably, they, they weren't even really equipped to do. But we have to have it done. And mostly, God is glorified. So you need to discover your gift or your gifts and put it to use for the cause of Christ and the glory of God. So we looked at the diversity of gifts. We've looked at there is unity in the body. And then lastly, we'll look at the maturity in the believer. There is, I should say, there is maturity in the believer. By understanding and utilizing your spiritual gifts, it brings about Christian maturity. In each of the three passages that deal with spiritual gifts, you will find, back in the beginning when I was in Ephesians, Romans, and 1 Corinthians, okay? Uh, You will find this theme of maturing in Christ. 
The greatest indication of maturity is directly associated with love. Now think about this for a minute. The gifts are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, right? That means yes, okay. What follows? Yeah, which is? I'm not making this hard. Okay, 13. 12, 13. I think we all went to school here. 12, 13. The love chapter. So Christ tells us about spiritual gifts and how they are manifested, but then he goes on to tell us that all is done in the name of love. I, that's not a, that, that is by plan. Okay? That is by plan. The context of chapter 13 and the expression of true love is really found in the previous chapter 12. In other words, it is impossible for us to love like we ought to if we are not utilizing the spiritual gifts that God gave us. Now you get that? It's impossible to love like God wants us to if we're not utilizing the spiritual gifts that God gave us. I don't know about you folks, but when I read that in a commentary, I said, oh, oh, we're just kind of sitting around here fluttering about if we're not utilizing those gifts. Consider this theme in Ephesians and Romans. Immediately following the list of gifts that we read earlier in Ephesians 4.12 and in also, I'll get to Romans in a minute, but we read, if you go back, if you still have your Bibles open to Ephesians 4.13-16, through 16, and it says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son. I can't read that back there right now. Uh, Son of God to mature, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head and to Christ, from whom the whole, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is, uh, which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And again in Romans 12.10, immediately after the spiritual gifts are highlighted, Paul writes, love one another with brotherly affections, outdo one another in showing Honor. It was right after reading that list in Romans of spiritual gifts, again follows love. We are to do 
We are to act on our spiritual gifts in love. Now we're going to find out tonight, and I'm going to close here in just a minute. But we're going to find out tonight, if you come on back, and I really hope you do, that no gift is of greater importance than any other. Now, you may be gifted in an area in which you think is not really overly important, but it is, because without you, we're missing a piece. You know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, there, are, there are gifts that I hold, and I am a pastor. And there are certain responsibilities that the pastor has that you do not possess. But that doesn't make me any more important than anybody else in this church. Now, are pastors held to a greater responsibility? Yes. But it doesn't mean that my gifts are any more important than anybody else. It just means i got to be more careful. But without you exercising the gift or gift that God gave you, we don't function properly. Now I'm going to tell you, folks, I believe God has added to our numbers people with varying degree of gifts to help us where we lost some of those gifts. Okay, I'm not looking at anybody specifically here, but the fact of it is, is God led you here, and we need you. Okay? God led you here. We need you. Exercise your gifts. So I want to close with that. It's no accident. Do you want to grow up in Christ and be well-balanced, a well-balanced, mature Christian? then find your spiritual gift and put it to use. Find your place in this membership jigsaw puzzle. And it is. If you've ever been on a nominating team and tried to find people to put in places, you know that it's a jigsaw puzzle. And not all the time do we get those pieces. Sometimes we try to take a piece. You know how you... I won't get too far off here, but you know when you do a jigsaw puzzle? My mom loved jigsaw puzzles, so by and large, we all did jigsaw puzzles. And every once in a while, I get so flustered because there'd be a piece and it looks like it should fit, and I'd take that thing and I'd jam it in there and I'd jam it in there. My mom would get so mad because by the time I was done, I'd actually get it in there, but it didn't fit. See, sometimes we do that with nominating committees. We need somebody to fill this position, and we got so-and-so. And we're going to jam that piece in there and make it fit. That's not what God intended. God intended for us to find the person who was a perfect fit because he had already planned. But what's even more frustrating is that when we find that person and, and you know, somebody like me who is uh, gifted in seeing other people's gifts, when you, f you know you got that perfect person, you know they'd fit in there, and they say, no, no. 
That's frustrating. Now, I'm not saying that about any of you publicly. Oh, that was funny. You can smile on that, really. We stop being so self-absorbed and our eyes are taken off ourselves and we love and we honor and we prefer one another. But mostly when we stop taking our eyes off ourselves and look to God, we start honoring God. Start utilizing those gifts that He gave us. So, the question for today is, are you utilizing the spiritual gifts that God gave you? Are you willing to utilize the gifts that God gave you or gift? Are you willing, as I have said so many times over the years, talking about spiritual gifts, and I go back to that movie Stripes. I just love that movie. It makes me laugh. When, Hulk, when Sergeant Hulka said, are you willing to be the big toe? Are you? Are you willing to be the big toe? Because, you know, somebody cuts off the big toe, has that thing amputated, you don't walk so good anymore. It doesn't seem like a very big position. Doesn't seem like a very glamorous position, especially if you ever seen my big toe. But you cut that dude off, you don't walk so good anymore. Are you willing to be the big toe? Let's pray as we prepare ourselves for invitation time. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Thank you so much for this time together. Lord, impress upon us our need to exercise the spiritual gift you gave us and Lord are we utilizing them guide us through this time of invitation we pray amen stand with me as we 